Accessing library computer data. Level 9 authorization required. Command codes verified. Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who also happen to have children on the autism spectrum. We talk about the new Star Trek Discovery TV series, as well as any autism issues we see along the way. I am your host, Elizabeth, and with me is my co-host, Vicki. Hi, I'm Vicki. We are Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're talking about Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 13, the season finale, Coming Home. Did you like this one, Vicki? I loved this one. And I did too. And I'm not ashamed to admit that I got a little choked up by the surprise guest at the end, which we'll talk about later. Um, I actually did not know who the surprise guest was at the end. Not because I didn't know who the surprise guest was, but because I will go ahead and just say this. I don't actually watch a lot of television. I get most of my news by reading. So I don't see people on television. I don't hear their voices. I recognize the face, but it was like, I, I know I know this person, but I don't know who it is. I screeched out loud like a 12-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. I had to look it up and I was like, oh, yes, of course. So I too loved this episode and I didn't even care that some of it was a little more emotional than we might otherwise see in this day and age of entertainment. And I loved it because I think, my God, right now we need it. Go ahead and slather on that happy butter (laughs) or whatever, jam, syrup, I don't care. I actually really enjoyed it. So let's go ahead and get started. When we left our intrepid crew, they were in the hyperfield of the 10C. Their very positive communication was suddenly interrupted by Tarka's escape, Tarka and Book escaping from the cocoon they were in. What did they call it? Anyway, I don't remember. Whatever it was that was holding them, they had escaped it, and they were heading for the power source to destroy it, which was going to destroy the 10C, destroy Discovery, destroy the Hyperfield, destroy everything, and then leave like a toxic rift near Earth and Navarre on the other side of the wormhole connecting the DMA to the 10C. And no one, everybody cares about this except Tarka. Tarka doesn't care. Yeah. Tarka's going to do what Tarka needs to do. So that's where we where we left the last episode. So we start off again at the beginning of this episode, and I believe right away we had present Tarina of Navarre trying to establish a mind meld with the 10C. Right. And I was, I, I was wondering if we were going to lose her, and this was going this episode was going to be called the Vulcan Goodbye. Well, I was kind of wondering why they didn't think of that earlier. Yeah, I don't know either. But anyway, she did not die, so we didn't have to name the episode The Vulcan Goodbye. But it was very difficult for her, and she realized that the 10C were a communal species that considered themselves a linked one, and they had no concept of an individual group of species such as all these humanoids on the ship. So we were left with that. Then we actually got to go back to Earth, back to the Alpha Quadrant, and we got to see Artilly. I was so excited to see Artilly. Yes, and her character has evolved. This is the character that she was before this last season where, and we talked about it, where it seemed like she was devolving. Yeah. So apparently she's found her calling. She has found her calling being a teacher at the newly reestablished Starfleet Academy. Yeah. So she is there working with her cadets. Her cadets have been deployed to help with the evacuation of 
Earth. And so they all have assignments and they go take this really fancy ship that looks like a light fixture and go to rescue as many people as they can from Earth. And it's very exciting and very well done. I really liked it. They had a ship called the USS Mitchell that went to Titan and they were going to evacuate all of Titan and then they were going to have enough room on the Mitchell for them to come back and pick up more refugees from Earth. But they realized, you know, and I think they discussed this later on, but they're not going to have enough room to pick up everybody. Right, right. So can you imagine what it must have been like on Earth? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, chaos. What is it that Quark says in that episode of Deep Space Nine? Humans are delightful, warm, wonderful human beings until you take away their creature comforts and they become as violent as any Klingon. I think that was the siege of AR something something. I don't remember numbers. Yeah, I remember that. They did mention a lot of these ships, and yes. and obviously, you know, Mitchell, it must be for Kenneth Mitchell. And Pathfinder, is that Deep Space Nine? It sounds familiar. Well, I don't think so. Pathfinder, well, Pathfinder is an actual robot we sent to Mars, so it might have been named after that. I mean, that's an actual spacecraft robot. Obviously, there was Nag and Yelchin, but what was Credence? Was I supposed to know what that was? I don't think so. Okay. I don't recognize Credence either. Okay. But, of course, the Nog and the Yelchin, I wrote that down because I got excited about that. Yeah. Too. Anyway, so and then we go back to the hyperfield and Voyager is trying to A, communicate with the 10C who don't understand. They say, we need to leave your little cocoon thing. And they're like, you're already out. What are you talking about? Because they don't understand that they're separate entities. Right. And so then they try to figure out how to escape the cocoon thing. They realize that they have a lot of power. And this is where things got really dicey. They have a lot of power in the spore drive if they don't use it to jump. So they're going to use the power of the spore drive to burn away the cocoon thing, I guess. And But the problem with that is, is that it's going to destroy the spore drive and they won't be able to get home. Now, let's think about this for a moment. We've got the spore drive on Discovery and then the only working prototype on Bookship. Yeah. So if they destroy the spore drive on Discovery, that's it. There's no more spore drives. Well, yeah, there's no more spore drives, but they can fix it. But it's going to take them decades to get home to fix it. So anyway, so we've got that. We've also got Michael, who realizes that the only way Bookship could have escaped the cocoon was with this discharge from the warp drive or whatever, was because they had help from within. Yes. So she's like, we're going to confine all the delegates to their quarters until we figure out what's going on here because something's going on. Unfortunately for us, we don't have to go through that whole routine because Jane Lindoy says, oh yeah, that was me, which I actually really admired. She's left her zone of just being a tool of evil and has gone back to being a person with some conscience, right? which was nice to see. Meanwhile, on the ship with Book and Tarka and Reno, Book and Reno are imprisoned in his little cell. Tarka's hell-bent on doing his Tarka thing and Book and Reno figure out a way to get out. Yeah. Through Grudge's cat door. <laughs> Did he have, like, Reno crawl through that? <laughs> I think so. That's what I imagine happened. Anyway, how Tarka doesn't realize this is happening. Anyway, so, and they're trying to talk him down, and he's like, no, no, I have to do it my way because I'm crazy. So the Discovery uses the spore drive. They get out of the cocoon. They destroy the spore drive, and they make it in time to stop Tarka and Book by ramming the ship. And I have to say, I actually really liked the look on Book's face when he saw Discovery coming and knowing they were not going to stop. I thought, okay, good. He understands. He gets this. So, Now, I should say that before the ship was rammed, Book actually transported Reno back to Discovery. Which was nice, because then we don't have to worry about losing Reno, who we're all very fond of. She gets a lot of love, you know, on the memes online. 
And I thought it was really interesting as Tarkas trying to talk Book into going along with his plan about how if he goes to this other, the parallel universe that Tarkas trying to get to, that Quajon will be there and his family will be there. And, and it was Reno who was like, no, it won't be them. It'll look like them, but it won't be them. And this is wrong. And it was really great that Book finally kind of clued into this. And like, yeah, you know what? Actually, this is wrong. So anyway, now the Tarkas ship is destroyed, Book is lost mid-transport. You know, they tried to transport him out. Tarka actually transported him out because Tarka finally understood that this was the wrong thing to do. I thought Tarka's, like, understanding was too little too late. Absolutely. You could feel sorry for him almost, but not enough to condone everything he's done. Yeah, I, I never felt you sorry You know, and him. he even said if his partner were there, his partner would be able to talk him out of it. So he knew right. it was wrong. Exactly. It's not that I he... think if they had built in some moments of second guessing in the last several episodes before this Parker like pauses and is like you know you can see him thinking maybe I shouldn't do this right but he was single minded this would have made more sense right it was about and now he's like all of a sudden oh now that I'm about to die perhaps this is wrong right and it was about his feelings and not about the millions of lives that he's yeah why isn't he and I should find clarify it wasn't Discovery that ran into ship uh, my bad actually a shuttlecraft piloted by General Andoya who volunteered for the suicide mission right as she should. Redeemed herself? Apparently she did because we saw her standing in the row of people at the end. So apparently. <laughs> so funny. But the, it, when we got to the happy ending part and we were all kind of wrapping up all the loose threads, which I love. I love a nice denouement where you wrap up the loose threads and make it a nice, neat package. And I just kept muttering to myself. Is Book in the brig? Is Endoria in the brig? In nobody the brig? was in the brig. Are they in the brig? <laughs> no, nobody was in the brig. Book was no, standing. Neither one of them was in the brig. No. I, does that make me a retributive kind of person? There needs to be consequences for behavior. It's, I mean, we saw Book was going to suffer some consequences. I shouldn't say suffer consequences because he, right. he was going to if help. If you get to take your cat with you, it's not suffering. I, I can see where that might be a little difficult because it's you don't have your own freedom. You can't call your own shots. You don't get to do what you want to do. And p- helping people can be very traumatic if they've gone through trauma and you can see where that's difficult it's not like sitting in jail if he had to sit in jail he could have talked to michael because she sat in jail too so she knows all about that but like i said if you you get to take your cat with you it's really not a consequence we're gonna pause right here for a quick break we'll be right back Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka at EurekaRewatch.com. If you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicky over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse. And we're back. But back to our story here. So they stop Book and Tarka. They don't destroy the power source. And then the 10 seem to get it, that these are individual entities, not just one great big entity together. And they grab them, the ship with another cocoon and take them down to the surface of a gas giant. And then they go into a pod and then they go visit the 10C. Now, I, I don't remember. I, I think I may have missed this. Did they leave the pod to go have their conversation with the 10C or was that taking place inside the pod? Remember when they went to the pod the first time and the pod opened up and put, got them on a recreation of the deck? So maybe it's just a recreation of the planet. Because again, as we discussed before, they wouldn't be able to breathe the air. Gas giants have, are incredibly dense. So there's, you know, towards the center of the planet, you know, like where the 
ground would be. There's high pressure. It would kill them. So I realize it's science fiction and you can do anything you want, but they didn't discuss any of that. Maybe it was just a recreation. So anyway, they enter the pod and everybody goes. The entire bridge crew goes. Which I found kind of strange. Didn't you think that was strange? Once again, I feel like they're trying to do the ensemble structure that we got. I mean, that was one of the things that made the original Star Trek great. We had our trio of primary characters led by one character with supporting cast of other characters who we got to know pretty well. I mean, we got to know Chekhov and Sulu and Scotty and Uhura very well in just three seasons. They had well-developed personalities, well-developed roles. I can't say the same for Discovery. I still struggle with their names. Right, absolutely. But that's not what I mean. I mean, they just took the whole bridge crew. So, right, but what I'm trying to say is I think that was part of that whole attempt to be an ensemble like the original series, like Next Generation, like Deep Space Nine. And it just didn't work because we're not yet connected to all those people. We don't understand why they would be, need to be there. Does that make sense? Yes, but they left the bridge empty is what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. maybe there's replacement people that come in that we didn't see. But yeah, it's odd to me that they would just leave the bridge empty. Yeah. I agree. I agree. But anyway, so, and, and there was a really great conversation with the 10C. Saru was doing the translating with the computer, and even Zora was there translating the, the light flashes. What was interesting to me is that, you know, just a couple of episodes ago, they were really struggling to communicate abstractions. And now all of a sudden, they could, were able to do it. And, and I don't think they really did a good job of explaining why they were able to do abstractions when they couldn't do it a couple of episodes ago. And you know, like a lot of the things they were talking about, we are one, we are together, we cooperate, we, you know, we support each other. Those are abstractions. And as two parents of kids on the spectrum who struggle with abstractions, we know what they look like. Right. I get what you're saying. I just assumed that they were able, because of the conversation they had before, you know, like an enterprise, once Hoshi hears a language, uh, yeah. after a while, the universal translator is able to pick it up. So that's what I was assuming happens that we didn't see. And you know what? I'll go with that because I thought this scene of the discussion was so good that I'll take that. Yes. So we'll go ahead and assume that while everybody else was trying to figure out how to stop Book and Tarka, we had our communications team working really hard to be able to translate those abstractions. Yeah. I love that. So they finally figure out, they finally communicate to the 10C that their DMA is destroying their planets. The DMA is threatening people they love and lives, and it's really bad. And the 10C are quite upset about this. They had no idea. So they're going to stop it. They're going to stop the DMA. They're going to stop this. And they didn't realize there were higher life forms. And they're going to examine more closely next time. And then they're like, well, but why is she still sad? Because when they tried to transport Book back to Discovery, Book's transporter signal disappeared, then the ship exploded, and Michael knew he was gone. By the way, I thought her scene of grief was outstanding. It was it was so well acted. I could feel her pain. It yeah. was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I, I was just like, this is amazing acting. Really, really good. So when they realize she's still sad, they're like, why are you, sh- why are you still sad? And she was like, well, I lost my one. And you know, on that ship. And he was there because he lost his whole world. Your your device destroyed his whole world. And he wanted to make sure that didn't happen to anybody else. But when we stopped him, I lost him. And they were like, oh, you mean this guy? And they beamed him back because they essentially interrupted the transport and redirected it and then beamed him there. So Book was still alive. When Book didn't materialize, first I thought he was just going to materialize somewhere else on the ship. But then when they said they were sending the pod back, 
Yeah. I thought he was going to be on the pod. Ah, okay. All right. Well, I was surprised. I thought he was gone. No, I never. And I thought that was okay because that was the price that was paid for. You know, he committed some significant crimes against morality, against the Federation, against people, against the people he loved. I thought, okay, this is how this this storyline ends. Yeah, but I never thought he was gone. Mm, Okay. So he shows up and there's lots of hugging and relief, etc. And then he wants to know why he's there. And then he starts talking to the Tensi because the Tensi is like, okay, we're going to stop mining in your area of the galaxy and we're going to go someplace else. And he's like, no, you can't. Because when you do this, you leave toxic waste behind. Which was interesting because I had not heard this before. Have we heard that there were toxic byproducts? Well, no, I don't think so, except when Tarka was going to do whatever he was going to do. That was going to create toxic byproducts. But I'm not sure that we ever heard that before. Anyway, and they're like, well, we need it to keep the hyperfield up to keep us safe. And he's like, you know what? You can hide behind a wall, but eventually life's going to get you. And I thought his conversation was really good. So as bad as his argument was to go after the 10C when they had that federation meeting was this speech was good and he actually said that you know they had lost so many and they could not do any more harm they had honored the fallen all of them because they were beloved and beautiful and i thought okay that's just awesome and that really connected with the 10C so what did you think about the glowing pattern on his forehead like he was making a, an empathetic connection Yeah, and uh, again, I was going to say, why didn't they think of that at the beginning? Yeah. Anyway, so meanwhile, on Earth, you know, the DMA was getting closer and closer. It was really good ticking clock stuff because, you know, it was preceded by a whole bunch of debris that was banging into Earth and banging into the ship. And, you know, they they dismissed everybody else. And the only ones that were left were Tilly and Vance because they said, we're going to try to use our shields to buffer Earth's shields and give Earth as much time as possible. So they were just going to wait out the end drinking whiskey from Vance's flask (laughs) (laughs) which I thought was also awesome yes I loved that whole interaction it was great it was really great but then all of a sudden it stops and they realize that Discovery has succeeded in stopping the DMA and it's all good it's all happy Um, and then the 10C used the wormhole they created to send the DMA to send Discovery home So then Discovery shows up at Earth and it's all happy and there's reunions and hugging, lots of hugging and lots of reunions. And we find out that Book is going to have to spend time. That's his he's essentially doing community service because reasons matter, the president said. Yeah, not always, though. (laughs) (laughs) And then the crew is getting ready for shore leave and everybody's going to do all these things. And we get to see a lovely moment uh, between Saru and President Tarina, where they both had previously in this episode expressed, I think both this episode and the previous episode, concern about their jobs being dangerous and difficult and having an emotional connection that might cause them pain. And Saru in this episode said to her after she tried to mind meld with the 10C and it didn't go so great and caused her a lot of stress and made her nose bleed and you know it's just it was very difficult on her physically. He said to her you know I had the same thought but I realized that essentially what he was saying is that the benefits outweigh any potential loss and she at the end of the episode says, I agree. And I think it's worth it to have an emotional connection. And he said, it would be my pleasure, President, Madam President. She says, call me Tarina and then takes his hand. Very sweet. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And he said to her, 
it's worth the effort. Yes. I think that was things. And then later, Michael said something about did the work that they were doing as the Federation being worth the effort. And I kind of felt like that was sort of the theme of the episode in some way, you know, in some to some degree. Yeah. There was also lots of conversation about interconnectedness, you know, with the 10C and with all the members of the Federation and between the Federation and the 10C. So I, I kind of like that, too, that discussion of interconnectedness. So one of the very last scenes, we see the crew in the shuttle bay welcoming the president of Earth, who is arriving. Now, when Discovery came back to, you know, when Discovery moved forward 930 years to this new Federation that didn't exist anymore because of the burn, one of the things that was very depressing disappointing to them was that earth was not a part of the federation yeah. they had locked themselves behind their defense shields they had general and shooting anybody who came close right and they were like nope we're not doing the federation thing because everything's been really hard for us well now we've got the president coming up to discovery to meet with president oh i've lost her name Rillick. thank you yeah. thank you Rillick, who's president of the federation to discuss earth joining the federation they're going to open up negotiations right. so this is the first step of the negotiations to see if Earth will rejoin the Federation. And they open up the shuttlecraft, and who's there playing the president but Stacey Abrams, who is, in case people who are like me, who are like, I know I recognize her face, but I don't know who it is. She is actually running for governor in Georgia. Yes. And a huge Star Trek fan. Huge. Yeah, massive Star Trek fan. Huge Star Trek fan. So yeah. I, I thought it was delightful to give her the opportunity to enjoy her love of Star Trek by giving her this role. So she's the president of Earth, and she steps out on Discovery, and President Rillick starts to say, oh, we're looking forward to negotiations to see if we can bring you back. And she's like, you know what? No need. We've already decided we're rejoining the Federation. And so, like, music swells, and it's all great. And then the president of Earth says she wants to talk to Michael and they step away and they have a conversation about how there's so much more to look for and so much more to explore and so many things to offer and it's just you know all the things that are Star Trek and, and that's the end of the episode yeah it was good it was I liked it I liked it a lot did I miss anything anything that you saw that you wanted to make sure we talked about um I don't think so I think we're good all right good so on a scale of one to ten, what would you give this episode? Um, I'm going to give it a nine and a quarter. Yeah, nine. Strong nine. Yeah. Uh, loved um, Reno calling Stamets Bobcat. Yeah. Already pouring the drinks, Bobcat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad she is still there because she's such a great character. I would have been very, very, very frustrated yeah. had she not made it off of Book's ship. Me too, I know. So that was the end of the season. What kind of grade would you give this whole season? Well, the second half of the season was torture for me. (laughs) You know, and I think it's sad that we have to sit through so many slow-moving, draggy episodes to get to a good one. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the first part of the season was pretty good. But the second part, if we weren't doing a podcast, I wouldn't be watching this (laughs) right now. I mean, this last episode was worth it, but we shouldn't have to wait for the last episode to have a good episode. Yeah. Okay. So season five, do we have any word on when they expect season five to, I don't even know if they're even, um, they announced in January that they were going to, they had renewed the series for a fifth season. I'm assuming that they haven't even started filming yet. I don't know. Maybe I'm confusing Picard. Maybe it's Picard because I thought they filmed the season we're in and the next season already. Yeah. But maybe I think that was Picard. I'm 
confusing it with this show. I think it was. All right. So we don't know when we're going to get back to Star Trek Discovery. But fortunately, all is not lost for Moms Going Boldly because in May, which is just six weeks from now or so, mm-hmm. we get to start watching a brand new series, Strange New Worlds, yes. The Adventures of Captain Pike and the Enterprise before Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, I agree. Nothing like putting There's a damper on. so much Kirk stuff. Three years of Kirk yeah. in the original series, and then, what, seven, eight movies? I don't know. With Kirk? We don't need Five Kirk. doesn't count, of course. This wanted, I wanted this to be a Pike series. That's what we wanted okay. to see. There's no reason for Kirk. We don't, we don't need somebody overshadowing Pike. I agree. So let's hope, fingers crossed, that Kirk is there in an incredibly small way just because there's some connection to that universe and that's it i i agree i would really love to see this focus on pike and pike's character and his his character arc which we know ends tragically i would really like to focus on that so you know i'm hoping that this is a very very small 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 kind of thing but the fact that it's received so much press right yeah right i think somewhere i saw that it might not be until season two okay i'm not positive but you know and they have a relatively popular actor playing him so I'm going to imagine it's not going to be just a cameo. I don't know this actor. Vampire Diaries, which was a very popular show. I I mean, he was in other things. I know for sure he was a popular character in Vampire Diaries. Yeah, but you know what? We had popular... Remember the first season of Discovery when we had... Oh, what was his name? Rain? Rain Wilson. Yeah, he only was in there a couple times. Yeah. So very popular, very well known, but only in a couple episodes. So I I could tolerate a couple episodes. Right, Right, but the character he was playing wasn't a regular character on Star Trek. He was a character that we saw in two episodes. I think maybe we might have been expecting to see him maybe one more time. I don't think we were expecting him to come back. Well, we might actually see him in Pike. That could be funny. I'm hoping they bring back all the people we lost when they move to the future. There's still Laurel. There's still Ash or whoever he is now. Like Mud. We we could see Mud again. Well, my point was is that maybe the Kirk character, even though he's well known, may only show up for one or two episodes. I hope so. Like in the same way that Mud did. Because if this is Pike's story, then Kirk is really a recurring character, not a main character. Exactly, but we don't really even but, need a misery but we don't character. So. <laughs> so, but we're going to find out because it's starting in May. Right. So we invite our listeners to join us when we start discussing the new Christopher Pike series, Strange New Worlds, coming in May. Okay. We'll see you then. See you then. You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com slash momsgoingboldly and on Twitter at momsgoingboldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org. You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.